watch another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Fab Fit Fun. And let me tell you, it is fun. I have not experienced the fit part of it yet. Why? Because I can't stop eating. It's out of control. <sighs> I know I complain about this a lot, but it's just like, it's like I don't, it's probably that I just don't have a desire to stop. And I may just have to accept that. I may have to accept that this is who I am. It's been who I was. Oh, by the way, FabFitFun's awesome. I'll tell you about it later. But back to me. <sighs> it's been who I was since I was a little kid. It's like, I just, it's all I think about. It's my favorite thing to do. And I just, it's summer, it's coming up, and I just want to have some self-control. For my birthday this year, please someone buy me self-control. Or meth. I don't know. I'm joking. I would never do that. I would never do drugs. I'm not. I wouldn't even try smoking um, cigarettes just to lose weight. Because I'm, you know, I just, ah, what can what can you buy me that... Just make food stop tasting so good. But I'm back on my walking thing, so that's positive. I am trying to do like six to eight miles a day. I enjoy it. I listen to podcasts while I walk quietly, though, so I can still be alert. Because um, specifically, I'm just obsessed with the My Favorite Murder podcast. They don't need any of my shout-outs because they're huge. But I'm doing it anyways because they're just so funny. Um so while I'm l- walking, listening to about people getting kidnapped and murdered, I uh, try to keep my, try to keep, be aware of my surroundings. Um, but bummer, today on my walk, I had to stop at a place to go pee, and uh, I had my little pocket knife that I normally carry for protection uh, strapped to my shorts. I pulled my shorts down to pee. I heard something fall, but I couldn't think of what it was because I forgot that I put it there. And then I looked around, and I didn't see it. It's possible that I flushed a pocket knife down the toilet because I don't know where it went, but I heard something fall. And then it wasn't until I was almost home that I realized, God damn it, it was the pocket knife. So I got to go get me another one of those. Um, but I have my trusty uh, rape whistle with me that my mom has provided me with and personal safety device. Um, yeah. I was almost attacked by birds today on the walk. I absolutely cannot stand pigeons. They terrify me. They have no... They just have, they don't understand personal space. And they were, like, hiding in a bush. They were, like... Jesus. They were really just juvenile delinquent pigeons. Probably, like, back there, like, secretly smoking or something. I don't know. And they all came out and, like, attacked me in the face, basically, all at once. And I screamed at the top of my lungs in Beverly Hills. And uh, pretty sure people thought something bad was happening to me. But no one bothered to check on me. Maybe because they saw I was screaming over birds. I don't know. Um, Okay, cool. Show dates. Uh, Ah, I just had the best time in Wichita, Kansas, by the way. That was last weekend. Thank you to everyone who came out to the show, including (laughs) the two girls that uh, perhaps tried to poison me. Oh, my God, this story. I will tell it quickly. So I have a show in Wichita, Kansas, um, and it was awesome because I got to stay with my friend uh, Rachel and hang out with her and her husband and all her friends, and it was just a blast. And um, uh, my, my sound guy, Greg, and also writing partner, he edits this podcast, shout out to Greg, 
him and his friend drove down from Colorado. So he Greg splits his time between some property owns in Colorado and then also L.A. So they drove in as well. So uh, my show happens. It's after the show. People will usually try to like buy me a drink or a shot or something. Um, and I usually cannot take shots from everyone uh, because I'm not trying to die. Um, now, if you brought me a cupcake, that I'd probably eat. Uh, or like a nice, I don't know, cheese plate. Um, anyways, so it's after the show and this girl comes up to me and she has purchased me like a, I think it was like an apple flavored whiskey shot, like something I could not drink. She was like, hey, like we just, me and my friend just wanted to buy you a shot. We have a shot with us or whatever. And I was like, uh, I was like, I can't really drink whiskey. She was like, oh, it's really sweet. It'll be fine. Like, it doesn't really taste like whiskey. I was like, I'll have a sip of it, or I'll just come over there and cheers you guys Will you take the shot. So, like, thank you, or whatever. So I go over there, and um, I um, introduce myself to her friend, who was very cold to me. And I was like, oh, well, I guess she's not a fan. I guess her friend dragged her along to the show. Uh, I was like, hi, I'm Rachel. Like, thank you. Thanks for coming to the show. Like, thanks for the shot. And I was like, oh, so uh, are you guys from Kansas? And they were like, no, um, uh, we're actually we're actually from Colorado. And I was like, oh, my friends right there are from Colorado. And they were like, we know. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, do you know them? And they were like, yeah, it's. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> this girl so quickly threw her poor friend under the bus. Her poor friend being the friend that was not nice to me. Um, so quickly threw her under the bus. She was like, yeah, it's really weird. I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking she's going to. I was like, she better not tell me something bad about, you know, Greg. Like, Greg's a great guy. Like. I'm not going to believe you anyways, lady. Um, and she was like, yeah, it's, it's bad. And I'm like, what? She was like, oh, well, um, my friend used to date Greg's friend, and uh, she, was <laughs> she was jealous that he was coming to your show because she thought that he thought you were hot. So um, we followed them here. I was like, oh, that's, that's fucking crazy. That's really crazy. I was like, oh, you drove six hours to just make sure you're – ex-boyfriend didn't think this random wasn't interested in this random comedian that he only went to go see because his friend knows me like oh, that's a way to win him back that will get him back and um so I'm like oh cool that's insane thinking it to myself I was like well uh, good luck with that um and I walk away so then um I'm talking to Greg I'm purposely not naming Greg's friend because I don't want to embarrass him um so I'm talking to Greg and his friend a afterwards and I was like no, I think it was just Greg, yeah. And I was like, because uh, they met us at the next bar or whatever. And, well, actually, it was just Greg at first because his poor friend was like, he was trying to shake shake him. He was trying to, like, get them off his trail. So he walked completely in the other direction, was trying to, like, not let her know where he was going so he could come meet us at the bar, but then they wouldn't follow him there. And so, <laughs> but she finds him, drives by him, and says... I'll be waiting for you all night. <laughs> Basically, like, I'm watching you. She then um, proceeds to go to his hotel. And so when he gets back, she's trying to get, she's at the front desk trying to get in. And he has to tell them, like, she doesn't have a key to my room. Please don't let her in. Just craziness. Like, really, like, just single white female, crazy, crazy behavior. I feel so bad for him. So they, yeah, they, like, basically... Stayed all night, staked out in front of his hotel, and probably followed him directly home. And just, uh, 
listen, I'm not a dating expert, as you probably already know, but I'm going to go with not a great way to get your boyfriend back um, or not get the cops called on you, you know? You do you, but my advice would be sleep on it first before you decide to stalk someone six hours to someone else's comedy show and then try to order the girl what she thinks is probably a poison shot. Thank God I didn't drink it. Um, so yeah. Okay. All right, guys, show dates. Um, I will be at the Hollywood Improv this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I believe that would be the, the uh, 20, it's Saturday, Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. I'm at the uh, Hollywood Improv. Uh, and then I'm at the Comedy Store on Sunday. And, um, then like just bigger show dates. I'm supposed to be probably doing Long Island and then another East Coast date in July it has not been totally organized yet i'm not doing a lot of road gigs in june just because it's like britney and jack's wedding and all that so uh, but then in august please get your tickets for my show in seattle washington at laughs comedy club i'm really excited about that i'm from the pacific northwest um sabrina is going to be joining me on stage uh she's my friend who's done the podcast a couple times the infamous keanu podcast um she's gonna be joining me on stage towards the tail end of the show for a little live podcast and q a with you guys it's going to be a blast, and you can get tickets for that at rachelobriancomedy.com or at the uh, Laughs Comedy Club Seattle website. Okay, now for my guest. Ah, she is lovely. She's got a really, really successful, really cool podcast herself called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. She was also from January 2011 to December 2014. She was Adam Carolla's newsgirl and co-host. Um, she's also appeared uh, on... The Montel Williams Show, Hannity and Colmes, Ease, Chelsea Lately, Fox and Friends, Fox 5's Good Day New York, CW 11, Morning News, CBS 2 News, The Morning, uh, Time Out, uh, Super Epic Moment on Ease, True Hollywood Story, TV Guide Channel, I mean, just everywhere. You've seen her everywhere. She's had a really cool career that started when she was really young. You're going to he hear about it here. She was like, I want to say like 21 or something, interviewing Sandra Bullock for a magazine she was writing for. Just cool, crazy stuff. She's awesome. So without further ado, please give it up for Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. In your beautiful home. It's you have a studio. Very convenient for me. And this is just the temporary studio, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually just a room in the house that we're using as an office and also all of the boxes that we didn't know where to put them. They're just... They're just stacked in here. Yeah. So this is not really a beautiful, a beautiful it, no, studio. No, your house is, wouldn't it be really funny though if I was like, thank you so much. Your house is so beautiful. I love your studio apartment. Like, I think that's how it sounded right <laughs> at oh. first. Where I'm like, you live in a studio. <laughs> I'm actually sitting on my bed as we're recording this. <laughs> we're making tea in the kitchen. I'm just going to reach over and grab yeah. it. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just lean to the left. <laughs> have you ever lived in a studio apartment? I have not. Really? Um, wow. You just went straight into a one bedroom? I went straight to one bedroom. What are you, a Rockefeller? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to th uh, well you know I mean I lived in dorm rooms but that doesn't count oh god wasn't that the worst I didn't mind it that much I'm not a big fan of roommates I can't handle people that are messy mm -hmm. and I don't want to know about their little quirks right like I had a roommate so I, I, I lived in the dorms and then I had um and then I lived in a house with all my friends um my second year of college. And that was fun, but I was over it after that. Mm -hmm. One of my roommates, and I don't know why this, I find this to be just one of the weirdest things. Like, I don't mind topless, but pantsless, but you're you're wearing a shirt and then you're just pantsless oh, walking? I think that's called porky pigging. <laughs> what is it, really? Yeah, because porky pig had a shirt yeah. and no bottoms. It's just, 
visually a very strange thing for me to take in and she would just always walk around like that i'm like why are you doing yeah. this yeah you don't need to know how your female friends are groomed yeah i'm good and w- <laughs> then why do you just be naked why are you wearing a right. shirt right it's so weird it's just a hint of propriety um d- was it fun living in a house though because i lived in the dorms all four years but i sort of wished that i had moved off campus senior year because it seemed like the people that did had a more fun yeah. life. I honestly didn't even know you could live in the dorms the entire time. Mm. I thought it was just like a front. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was. I feel like it was more fun. Like I didn't the communal showers and things and like. Right. And you had like an RA watching out for mm-hmm. you. Like remember carrying. I assume you did this carrying all your shower items in a little shower caddy to the shower. It's like camping. I don't need to live like that. (laughs) I actually like camping, but I don't want my regular life to be like that. Did you ever have a caboodles? Was that before your time? Caboodles was like a a caboodles carrying case. It was almost like a fishing tackle box, but for makeup. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I I probably had one of those. Those were kind of cool. Yeah, they were. They were Mm. they were handy. It's like those clear things that Kardashians have now. Side note. Wait, what do they? I don't know it's, the clear things. It's like their makeup organizer that like is on my so sad. My mom knows this. My <laughs> mom was like sent it to me once. It's this like acrylic makeup organizer that like stays on your counter. And she was mm. like, the Kardashians have it. And I was like, OK, it's cool. And then I realized it was just way too cumbersome. Right. I need to look into all this stuff. I feel like at various times of my life, I've had. Uh, I can have my mom send you this info. Please. She, she's always, she knows everything. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in the market for some kind of loose site organizer, I should contact your mom. Do it. Cindy <laughs> O'Brien. She's on it. Thank Seriously. you, Cindy. <laughs> my mom's so funny. My mom has like just random pe- like celebrities she decides to hate and she like can't get over it. Like she, my mom can't stand Beyonce and Solange. Why? And so she just, they bug her. Okay. They just bug her. Sure. I think she just is not buying into what they're selling. And um, so she will just send me just like random things on Instagram and just like send me like a barf emoji <laughs> <laughs> and then the new one she doesn't like is Brooke Burke for some reason <laughs> she's just is some, something about her is bugging my mom is Brooke Burke currently in the news no I, my mom just was follow her and I think she was doing like a sound bath for her friends with those like little bowl things oh, and yeah. like dancing around and my mom just couldn't take it she was so tapped her. out yeah that's so funny yeah so okay so I want to talk about your career like and going back to like childhood, so you grew up near LA. It says you were born you were born in Oakland, but you grew up in Orange County. Yes, that is correct. When you grow up like in or near LA, does the entertainment industry just seem like so much more feasible? Is it because like when you grow up in a small town outside of it, it seems like wow, this is something like I would dream of doing. But for you, is it like oh, like my parents could drive me to an audition if I wanted? Or I did decide young that. Uh, that that was the life for me and that I did want that. I don't know how much I thought about the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had a really bad sense of direction anyway, but <laughs> I mean, like, I, I didn't even know I was near LA. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is that LA was really sort of a mystery. So, so let me just to, to back up to answer your question though. Yes, it did seem feasible. I don't know. I, it wasn't because I had thought about the distance, though. I just had this sense that it was feasible. Mm-hmm. So I think I knew it was nearby. That being said, Los Angeles was a mystery to me until I lived here, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I remember, um, you know, if there was a friend in, they could have even been in the valley. This is a hyper-local story, so I'll make it fast. They could have been no, in the valley, and yeah, I would my be listeners, like. I think they know how LA sort of <laughs> is. Okay. And I'd be like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm driving someone to the airport. Is that near where you are? Uh-huh. And the airport is really far from the valley. Yeah. To me, L.A. was all the parts of L.A. were probably near each other, and I just had no sense of anything. Yeah, for sure. 
So, so did you, so when you said like it was just something you knew you could do or decided to do, did you just have like that sort of like go-getter mentality or just a lot of confidence to be like, oh yeah, this is just, because it's, it's a hard business. It's really hard. And you just were like, yeah, I can do this. I, yes. I think, you know, earlier on my podcast, mm-hmm. you and I were, you were talking about, you grew up with just a crazy amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had an element of that. Mm-hmm. And especially if anyone said no to me or said that like, this is not something you can do. Mm-hmm. I had this real defiant feeling of like, I'll, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I can do that. Yeah. So, so a lot of like, I think your I drive to was prove proving people wrong sort of, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Which is not, I don't, I'm trying to think if I think for better or worse, I think that a lot of people's drive, a lot of people are driven by that. Yes. I wish that it could be something that's more pure and positive than that. But I I would imagine as you've probably gotten older, it's not as much of that. It's probably like that's something to get you going. And then you sort of just realize like I'm also just doing this for me and I enjoy it. Right. Yeah. That's actually been something that I've struggled with and I spent a lot of time thinking about as an as a you know in, in the last few years like how much of the things that I thought I wanted to accomplish in this life how much of that is because I genuinely love the work mm-hmm. and I'm passionate about it and how much of it is because I want the validation mm-hmm. and I want to prove this person who was mean to me in seventh grade wrong yeah um, I think but I think we all have a little bit of that like yeah. it's like there's it, yeah, I don't. I think that's just like a human condition thing, where right. it's like you want to like prove that you can do it, and especially something that's so difficult to do. But I'm sure you also love it. Like, like I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, I would rather podcast for a couple hours in a day than go sit in an office and like crunch numbers. Right. Like, this is a. Pr- I'm pretty lucky. Right. Well, I have a question for you. Um, how much do you think you crave approval? Because are you in therapy? Uh, I have I have done some extensive therapy. I'm not like currently this moment. I was having a conversation sort of recently with my therapist and she said that and I feel like all therapists in L.A. primarily deal with people in the entertainment industry. It just Mm -hmm. and also it seems like they all used to work in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. or maybe I just know a bunch of them who do. But she was saying that that it's to her. It seems like most people in show business have this insatiable need for approval Mm -hmm. and that I don't seem to have that. And I was like, have you been listening to me? (laughs) You're like, I'm here in therapy paying (laughs) you to tell me I'm okay. Um, I don't think I I necessarily have that either. I don't think I'm driven by like that because the over approval stuff makes me a little uncomfortable actually. Mm. Like, I guess if in terms of like any like over like notoriety or like fame type of thing or whatever makes me feel uncomfy like interesting like i make it a really big point to like make sure like my listeners feel like we're the same we're on the same level like i'm not this cool thing that you know it's like makes me real uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um so she doesn't think that you need approval that's i that's a i think that's a compliment it actually really was Mm -hmm. um i felt really good about the fact that she didn't didn't think that i had that that neediness that she was describing but i do think maybe not approval but i certainly uh enjoy validation yeah but you but you don't seem like you know 
you know, like when you're around a lot of comedians, it's like they're just trying to find a joke and they're right. just on. And like it's sometimes it's just hard to even connect and have a regular conversation. Mm-hmm. Like that's someone that needs a lot of validation and approval. Right. Like they don't know how to turn it off. Like right. you don't seem like you're that type of comedian or entertainer. Like yeah. where it's like you can have a conversation, ask someone about themselves. Right. You know. And, and I think it's happened more and more as I've gotten older. Maybe I had it more when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I also had more. But I also had more motivation and ambition when I was younger. And mm-hmm. some of that is because. I, you know, I have two kids now. Yeah, I just had a baby sort different. of recently. So I'm still like figuring out what, what is my direction exactly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm more okay with where I am as I get older. Yeah. This, I, and I can cut this out if you don't want to answer this question. I wasn't planning to ask it, but I just thought of it um, and it might be inappropriate. <laughs> have you experienced any like postpartum? Oh no, that's fine. You can yeah. totally ask that. I've I never talked know if about it's it. Okay to talk about. With that's people. fine. Yeah, I've, I wonder if it will happen to me if I ever I even date long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did experience postpartum depression mm-hmm. with Elliot. That's he's um a little over two now, and I have to to say, I growing up, and I'm wondering if this is how you were too. I thought postpartum was like some. I thought post postpartum depression I thought was like something that happened because you were so sad that the baby was no longer inside of you and it like made mm-hmm. you murderous or something I had this real I know, TV I, I had a real TV movie notion mm-hmm. of what it was and I think Tom Cruise ruined it for everyone when he got <laughs> mad at Brooke Shields right perhaps mm-hmm. um but really it doesn't it does that's not what it is it's just depression that hits after you've had a baby in the postpartum period. Because, like, your hormones are changed? A lot of it is, is hormonal, but uh-huh. then a lot of it, too, is just the the stress of taking care of a newborn mm-hmm. and the adjustment, and it's just in not getting sleep, yeah. and it can affect your relationship mm-hmm. with your partner, and it just it's just very hard. Yeah. It's just very hard I mean, in the I beginning. I get really anxious and depressed if I don't get enough sleep anyways and I don't have anyone to take care of like it's <laughs> right. like that that's just hard yeah yeah and so I had a pretty traumatic birth yeah um, oh, with really? Elliot yeah it was they induced me it took 40 hours oh I, my so God. that's a lot of time without sleep and like just really my epidural didn't really work they um I uh, they they give they put a catheter in a urinary catheter uh-huh. when you have an epidural and I was very afraid of that. They assured me I wouldn't feel it. I totally totally felt it. Um, they didn't seem to. They, they were just. I didn't. They, they just like weren't very nice. They all, weren't yeah. gentle. I felt like I was just pregnant woman number you know four hundred and twelve and it's just like just in and out yeah. and I just felt like a, a like a a body on a table housing a baby and they yeah. didn't care or take me seriously. 40 hours is unreal, too. It truly was. And then when he was born, um, there was meconium. Do you know what that is? Mm. Meconium is the baby's first poop. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually it's supposed to happen outside of the womb. But sometimes if if something during delivery doesn't agree with them or there's various reasons that they'll poop inside the womb – and can you get like septic shock is that what that no is? what happens is they can inhale Am it I use, even using the right term for that i don't know or toxic shock Ta- no Se- no uh, sep- septicemia something uh, yeah sepsis Sepsis. Something like Maybe that. that's yeah. what it is. No, yeah. it's it, it's not that. Um, but they can inhale it and then have trouble breathing. So he, um, they had to like revive him. They had oh to do gosh. chest compressions and then he had to go to the NICU. Uh, Very for traumatic. a couple of days, so I didn't get to hold him for like seven hours. Yeah, and it was th- that those seven hours were so surreal because it's like 
I knew I'd had a baby, but I didn't know him. And I did, it just, it was very dreamlike. And, um, and I think I underestimated how much that had affected me Mm -hmm. because I was, I was, I was just like a shell. By the time we got home, I was like a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had, had been through hell. Um, and then I had him in February and it was like around July that I finally admitted like something's up. Like my thoughts are not, Cause I was just, I kept thinking about the Holocaust and what happened to babies in the Holocaust and, and like, um, dogs that are being experimented on, like where do the dogs, it just all the, like really grim, mm-hmm. really. I remember one night I Googled and don't do this and don't tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are snuff films real? And that I started Googling that. And then I was reading up just really disturbing child what is pornography. A snuff film? Oh, a s- <laughs> oh, you don't know what a snuff film is? I've heard it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I feel where like someone gets killed okay. for real in the filming of it. Um, I don't. I still didn't what? even know how much it really. Dang, you exists. just put that in my head, and I'm probably gonna Google it. Yeah, I shouldn't Google Every it. Every dark thought I would, and I had a lot of dark thoughts. I would just like Google all of them, mm-hmm. and I was just, I sort of, I was like, this is not normal. Like yeah. I'm sad all the time. Yeah. I'm crying all the time. I feel like the world is a dark scary place and I am on a little island with my baby and right now we're okay but we might not be okay and just Mm -hmm. so gloomy so um I found a therapist who specialized in postpartum women Mm -hmm. and then I went to her and I still see her and she's great Mm -hmm. and then she referred me to a psychiatrist and I had never been on antidepressants Mm -hmm. um and I was always sort of afraid of them but I started going on Lexapro and that helped me a lot and yeah so I kind of I don't I don't know it was probably both of them that really helped me. Yeah. And then this last time I had a, I went to a different, different doctor, different hospital, had a really positive birth experience. My epidural worked. Uh, the nurses were really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't had it this time around. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that really did make probably a huge difference. Yeah. I think that seven hours too, when you didn't like, cause that's like the moment it's like you, that's what you see in movies and they, they right. hand the baby and it's like, for seven hours you and were like what did I just go through and for what and what's and w- going on yeah and I felt really sidelined by the whole experience mm-hmm. like I felt like I was almost this this nuisance like mm-hmm. he like more important things than you me are yeah. going on right now like we got to get and my husband was able to go with the doctors to the NICU yeah and I was just like le- I felt just left in the recovery room they because I'd had an epidural, they wouldn't let me out of bed for a couple mm-hmm. hours till it wore off. But it never really worked. So I was sitting there showing them, like bending my legs, and I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, yeah. But they legally couldn't let me out of bed. Whereas last time I had my baby at Huntington Hospital in Pasadena, and even though the epidural worked, it had worn off kind of fast mm-hmm. at the end. And I was, it was like I don't know, half an hour after, and I said I needed to use the bathroom, and they let me up because they could tell that my legs were working. Oh, weird. So yeah. you never go back to that first hospital. Probably not. You don't have to say where it is. I don't mind saying, actually. I will say. It was yeah. Cedars, which is a really, really good hospital. Cedars is a really good hospital. I know a lot of people who have had really good experiences there. Yeah. But, and that being said, like, my safety was never yeah. in question and the safety of my baby. Yeah. But I know a lot of women who've given birth there who didn't have the birth experience they wanted yeah. there. Yeah, you, it's like every, you would think Cedars would be amazing, but 
I mean, I got hand surgery there, and it was not a good experience. My doctor was like, my doctor, I think, had a crush on my mom, so he would only be nice to me when my mom Cindy. was there. Yes, <laughs> he loved Cindy. And he just, he was very cold. And it's like my hand surgery didn't work. My hand's still mangled. And he would kind of just be like, well, we could give you another surgery. He's like, does it really affect your life, though? I was like, yeah, it <laughs> does. I can't hold the half the things with, like, my left hand. Like, right. yes, it does. And, like, the other, and I don't know if this is just, like, how they do it nowadays but so I got hand surgery and in order to kind of like save your hand from having a bunch of scars and also having like metal in your hand for forever they did this thing where they put metal spikes on the outside of your hand for like a month so they're it's in the surgery they put them in but they're sticking out of your hand for like a month you just wear this like big like sock puppet Uh looking cast and then one day they just ripped them out and I just went in for like, I would go in every week for like my checkups or whatever. And then one week he was like, yep, looks like we'll take it out now. And I was like, like now? <laughs> and I was like, like, I'm not going to go under, like you're not going to give me any pain meds. Right. He's like, probably won't help anyways. And literally like oh takes pliers to the end of the, and rips five inches long metal that was in my bone out of my hand. Oh as my if, God. Like right now, like as if you were just chilling. Like if I, I can't even get a surprise shot. I need to mentally prepare for that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like, and he just was so cold. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. My, so my Cedars experience isn't that great either. Bedside manner matters so It's a big so deal. Much. It really is. I mean, obviously medical care is the most important, but bedside manner is up there because it really affects how you feel about the whole thing. But like my experience, it sounds like yours too, was uh-huh. dehumanizing and mm-hmm. that stays with you. Yeah, it's like a PTSD type of thing. Because you're so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're so vulnerable when you're letting someone else, like, cut into your body. Yeah. Um. What happened? Why did you need surgery? I fell off. A b- I, like, literally tipped over on a bike. Sober. Just not, not mountain biking. Just, like, an idiot. And just broke my hand. So, it's, like, it's, like, mangled now. I wouldn't I have close noticed. It. But yeah, I can it's fine. see when I you're mean, bending. Yeah. It's fine. I don't really care now. But, um, no, but you say, like, yeah, medical care does matter the most, but they're, they've done studies, and real scientists and real doctors now agree with this, that, like, people have been healed, and the healing process is, has gone, you know, more smoothly and whatever, from being treated better, and there's a whole, a whole other thing about, like, with, like, you know, probably, like, um, like, just, like, a mental sort of healing that you're helping give mm-hmm. people or whatever. There's a whole major study done, and I'm not even... S- saying it correctly but like that component is huge like you you can and you know it's like people that kind of can almost naturally heal themselves with like the power of like the mind like yeah maybe they're getting chemo too but they're not like i'm so afraid of they're gonna die they just sort of believe that you know right i feel like that's how i feel like that's how my my dad survived like my mom would not let him get down on the dumps and he always was so strong and hilarious by the way like when he so he would he couldn't really walk very well he would always fall or um like he would have he just was really 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 sick like Mm -hmm. dying sick and um he would need to get up and get something and he would go all right this is what i'm gonna do rach i'm gonna stand up i'm gonna do a half pike flip i'm gonna bounce (laughs) off that chair like like just exaggerate that he was like super athletic like always just super (laughs) funny yeah so that's amazing that he never lost that in in the course of being that sick yeah he's awesome okay who else has tried fab fit fun and if you haven't, you haven't lived. It's the most fun thing to receive in the mail. It's like buying yourself a little gift. It's so, not even a little gift, it's a big gift. So if you don't already know about it, it's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The box I received is amazing. 
I got some great skincare product. I got a jump rope that I need to use, but I'll get around to it. <laughs> I got a really cute backpack. I got some sunglasses, just awesome stuff. So each season's box features a variety of amazing quality brands like Tarte, Kate Somerville, Anthropology, Free People, Dr. Brandt, and that's just the beginning of it. And you don't want to miss out because they sell out fast. All right, guys? And I have an offer for my listeners. Okay. So they retail for $49.99, but they always have a value of over $200. But if you use my coupon code BEHERE, you get $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. So check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code BEHERE so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's FabFitFun and use the code BEHERE. You deserve to treat yourself. It is so much fun. I can't even stress it enough. You must try it for yourself. Okay, so going back to your career. So did you know what in entertainment you wanted to do? Were you just like, I'm? did you think you were going to be an actress? Or? I wanted to be an actress uh-huh. um, at the beginning. So I wanted to be a child actress. <laughs> and my parents said kind of no. Kind good thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. What happens with them? Right. So my parents were like, no. Yeah. Um, Smart. Yes. Although when I was 13, they did let me, um, they, uh, I forget how I even, I was just like, I, well, I loved reading teen magazines mm-hmm. and I think I wanted to be like one, I wanted to be one of the Corys. <laughs> I wanted to be <laughs> Alyssa Milano. <laughs> I didn't care if it was Corey Feldman. Or <laughs> That's right. I was fine with being I him. I just wanted to be in that world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm trying to remember how I even found the woman. I found a manager. My parents were like, we'll drive you. We're not going to do anything, though. Mm -hmm. But if you can make this happen, we'll drive you. So I found a manager. um, And my dad drove me up to L.A. And I met with her. And then I started going. I started. I I did some. I was an extra Mm -hmm. in some stuff, which was so fun and so glamorous mm-hmm. for me because I was this 13 year old and now you probably I, you couldn't pay me to do that now. yeah <laughs> although it wasn't the worst money some some I don't know what it pays now I, I used to do extra work now. on um soap operas that paid like 200 dollars, and sometimes you were only there for a couple hours yeah yeah I think some of the jobs paid like 300 oh my god but I don't that's like featured extra which I've done that before too. yes I don't think that's just regular maybe yeah you I'm were kind of I was a special yeah, extra. You were special, yeah. But I think I also believed that somehow I would be discovered as an extra, and they'd be like, "She, we need to promote her to yeah. Corey status." <laughs> the way she walked across that street, <laughs> we've never know. seen another kid do. Um, but I remember some adult extra woman said to my dad on the set one time, "Like, once an extra, always an extra." And he reported this back to me, and we're like, "Oh no!" Um, and then oh, I got an thanks. agent, and then I was uh, I did a bunch of audition, not a bunch. I did some auditions, mm-hmm. did not book anything, um, and then I just sort of lost interest in that around the time that I was, around the time that I was going to be eighteen, mm-hmm. which would have if I still wanted to do it, it would have helped because I looked older than I was, which I think that or my understanding of it was like the dr- the dream in Hollywood at that time was to get someone who's 22 who can play 14 yeah. because of the labor laws. Mm-hmm. But instead, I was like 15 and I looked 22. Yeah. Um, so And my parents didn't want to let me get emancipated, which is what a lot of kids did. Mm-hmm. So then when I was about to be 18, maybe I would have been able to book stuff, but I just didn't. It wasn't my thing anymore. Right, I was yeah. looking to where I was, um, you know, applying to colleges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So then I, uh, I started writing young. 
and I was really into writing and I thought that's what I was going to do. Like that was, that's my career. I'm going to be a writer. I was right. I wrote for the LA times when I was very young. Whoa. How do um, you, how do you get there? That? Was, I was on the school newspaper mm-hmm. and the editor in chief, who was a friend of mine told me that someone, she had met with someone from the LA times and they were looking for students to write features for this one section of it. Mm-hmm. So I contacted him and then I wrote a couple features and one of them was about music Mm -hmm. and then this little music magazine contacted me and asked if I want to write for them and at the time that's like a a pretty big deal when you're you're young and also a lot of kids wouldn't have even had or young people I don't know how old you were I was 18 18 wouldn't have even probably even had like the confidence to be like I'm gonna contact the LA Times I know like yeah. That's what I'm saying about I had some Delusions confidence. Delusions of grandeur is what yes. I say I have. Yeah, like I think I can just do anything or I'll figure it out as I go along. I think I had this attitude of like I can do whatever I want and if you're going to if the front door is shut then I'll find a back door way yeah, in. Yeah. Exactly. I don't really have that anymore though. I I, I really think I don't. I still do, but I feel like I have to like you're you're married and have kids. Like you have another separate part of your life yes. that grounds you. Like for me right now my career is it. So it's like I could all do anything and like I still believe I can do anything because I think it's just maybe it's just like a coping mechanism I feel like I have to do that but, but I, don't I think know. that's good yeah. I think that's good I mean yeah I don't I I could use more of that like here's the thing I want I'm gonna pursue it with all my might because mm-hmm. I remember when I was that way yeah and I just kind of I don't know if I'm just older and don't need it or if I've just been like ground down a little bit I don't know but I I, there's I haven't really like hardcore pursued anything like that yeah in a while I mean it's hard entertainment industry is hard you get ground down. I mean all of us do at a certain point like there was a certain point where when I was on that European tour where things were it was awesome I was on this tour but like when it was like even just something small didn't go well and I just remember thinking like god I just need a win like oh I need a win like please Mm -hmm. and then I was like Wait, I'm on tour in Europe doing stuff. Like, <laughs> be appreciative for the like at least the moment you're in right now, you know. But oh, you just sort of get to the point where yes. you're like, you don't even know what the thing is that you think is just gonna make you feel like you've made it or something. Right. But I'm certain I'll never feel like I have. I'm certain I'll be one of those people. And I've heard Conan O'Brien say this on his podcast mm-hmm. where it's like, you just never. It's never enough. You want more, right? And like, you also probably think that the the rug's gonna be pulled out from under you at any point yeah. too. And yeah. Well, if you think about it. It's just the, the there's always so many more rungs on the ladder mm-hmm. and wherever you are, you're still always looking up and it's hard. That's the, this industry, I think, is crazy making mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I totally know what you mean about yeah. like at what point will you feel satiated? Well, and I think that the, I mean, the answer is obviously that outside things don't make you happy. You're happy right. on the inside. Right. Like, you know, that's how you do it. And and I am happy. It's just more like I just want there's milestones. I need Right. To but I heard Russell Brand, it was like a Instagram video or mm-hmm. something, but um, he was saying that like the teachings of someone, it wasn't, I don't think it was him saying it. He was repeating something that he had heard, I think, but that if you're unhappy, trying to change your external environment mm-hmm. is like, think of it like if you have mud on your face mm-hmm. and you're looking in the mirror and you're trying to remove the mud from the mirror. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's a really good Yeah, example. I thought it was really yeah. astute. Okay, so you were so you were writing for the I was writing, LA yeah. Times, and then I started and then writing for another music. little music magazine. <clears throat> and at the time, I thought they probably think they're getting some LA Times writer. Little do they know they're getting, you know, a, a total newbie. Now, in in hindsight, 
I think they knew exactly what they were getting. Yeah, <laughs> you okay. know, I, I don't think I was Tricking coming across them. as like, you know, a, a hardened journalist. I think yeah. they knew they were getting a kid. Um, so I started writing about music, and that was really fun. And then um, someone who also worked at, and that magazine was called Mean Street. And someone who worked at that magazine got a job for this glossy national magazine called Access, mm-hmm. which was based in San Diego. And he asked if I wanted to start writing for them. So I wrote for them. So you weren't even really having to submit. You were just sort of getting all these referrals. Yeah. Now, I also, I was getting paid a little bit for Mean Street, but Access didn't pay at okay. all. But it was like, do you want to write a cover story on Sandra Bullock? Do you want to write... Did you um, get to interview her? I did, yeah. Oh my that God. was on the phone. Um, but I did interview At her. At what age? I, well, I guess she wouldn't have been as huge. No, she was She she was in the net. Do you remember that yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. Um, so about the internet? Yes, <laughs> about the internet. I'm trying to remember what year it was. She was fairly new. It though. was mid mid to early 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there was talk that maybe they were going to send me to Nova Scotia to interview her because she was shooting some movie there with Dennis Miller. I can't remember what it was, but that was very exciting. That's and then crazy. it's like, okay, so we're not sending you to Nova Scotia. You're just going to call her. But it was still cool. Yeah. And then I also did a cover story on Mila Jovovich. That was in person. Um, and I did the first national cover story on No Doubt, oh which gosh. was very cool. So all of that was for free, and I did some. I mean, uh, but you're really young to be doing. I this. was very like, young. That's a yeah. big deal. I felt I, I was very excited <clears throat> by myself at that point. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that plays into like, not um. You know, it's like you got a lot really early on, so like maybe you're just less thrilled with things now, maybe because it's like maybe it's not like you had to wait a really long time and right. wait tables for. 10 years before anything happened, you know? Yes. And it was hard. It's been a bit of a hard adjustment to recognize that, like, I'm not the youngest one in the room anymore by Mm -hmm. a mile. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who are younger than me. I always had this crutch of I'm super young to be doing whatever it is. Mm -hmm. All my friends are older. I'm the youngest one. Like, I'm really out there doing it. That being said... Uh, socially I was a late bloomer Mm -hmm. but I thought that I was this I'm so mature for my age yeah I'm accomplishing so much and then you know life caught up Mm -hmm. that's so funny yeah like when you start to realize like oh I'm not the youngest person around (laughs) anymore okay I'm actually old now oh oh shoot okay I can't play on that one anymore (laughs) right right so then so when did you start getting into um like TV stuff and radio because you've had a huge like, radio and podcasting mm-hmm. career. Yeah, so I was working. Can you take it? I just need to clear mm-hmm, my throat. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. We took a pause for a throat clearing. Yes. Um, so I was living in New York and I was working at Time Out New York magazine, mm-hmm. and they were looking for someone who wanted to go on the news, the local mm-hmm. Channel 4 news, and talk about. They were going to start this new segment called Best Bets. Mm hmm. And they want someone who could go on and talk about events going on in the city. And so they sent this like company wide email. Is anyone interested in doing this? And I said, I am because I had always. So I was writing professionally for different magazines at the time. But I also after college was playing in a band Mm -hmm. and I didn't think I had always played music, but I wrote about music. I didn't really think I ever wanted to be in a band. What would you play? I played guitar. Oh, my God. Um. That took a turn. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. I owned guitars. I didn't really ever play them. You didn't? I mean, I could play like, I mean, like, you know, the beginning of Stairway to Heaven and uh, Kansas is Dust in the Wind. Just a few of the chords. Right. 
Well, that there you go. Yeah. You also. So you, as a fellow I should have been in a band. I mean, missed opportunity for <laughs> anyone that did not vi- invite me in their band. <laughs> um, so the band was fun, and it was something that I did as I was kind of figuring out now what after college because I felt so ill-equipped for the real world when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you study in college? English. Okay. I was an English major, and I was writing for magazines, so mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, like, things will just naturally happen and I'll have Mm -hmm. this amazing career and it's just all unfolding. And, um, meanwhile, you know, my friends are looking for jobs and I didn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And I really should have. So Um, how were you making, how were you supporting yourself? Like just from the, the writing for the timeout and and that was paid enough. Well, so no, that, that was when I moved to New York and that was a salary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But after college, I moved back in with my parents Mm -hmm. and, um, and well, pretty quickly, I took a job at the OC Weekly, mm-hmm. which was a full time job. And then I moved out. Um, but for a little while, I was like, I don't know. Like, how do I I, d- I was so confused about how to proceed. Mm-hmm. Like, do I choose a city and then go there and find a job or do I figure out who I want to live with and then go there and find a job? Do I find a job and then let that d- dictate? Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't didn't know. Um, there was also a a guy that I really liked. And I was like waiting for something to happen, and I think I was trying to be close to him. Yeah. If, I, if I'm being honest, that's yeah, what we've was, all done that. That was yeah. what was really going mm-hmm. on. Um, so, th- so then I started playing in the band, and I did that for a while. So, so I was performing, even though that wasn't what I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I always was sort of performing. So, um, did the TV thing in New York, and they really liked me, and I really enjoyed it. So then that became a regular thing. So mm-hmm. every Saturday morning, I did that, and then um, other like news. St- stations and things like that started inviting me on to represent and what the type magazine. of like segments were you doing like i was doing on nbc i was doing something called best bets uh-huh. so time out do you know time out new yeah. york mm-hmm. um yeah so it's like a, a it has a big listing it's like an section. events page yes sort of thing. yeah so i would go on and i would highlight five to seven events going on in the city mm-hmm. and talk about them and that's what i was doing on that and then i think cbs had me come on and do god what was it Something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this show, Red Eye, which was on Fox News until I think it's it's not on there anymore. I think I like Do you remember Red Eye. Well, it, was it on until fairly recently? Because I think yes. my publicist, when I had one, tried to get me to go on it. And I, I forget. I think I wasn't in New York at the right time. But I think I was also sort of scared to do it because it's political commentary. Yes. But when it started, it was this sort of weird anomaly that came on at like 2 or 3 Mm a.m. And it really was a comedy show more than anything. And they had a ton of comedians on. um, And it really wasn't that political. And it took a turn, I want to say a couple years in, where they really started emphasizing politics Mm -hmm. more. Um, But I started going on that. And that was, it it was such a weird, fun show to do. Um, And Fox News was always conservative, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like what it feels like now. Yeah, totally. Um, so I was doing that, and I got like a little bit of a fan base from doing that show. Were your parents like, "Our daughter's on TV"? <laughs> like, they think it was really cool. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They would always email me in the morning, and and you know after they'd watched it, and yeah, they were they were very they thought it was really neat. Um, and then I had a website or a blog. I had a blog that I've been doing for a long time, and I started uh, I started doing like little book reviews that I would just film in my apartment mm-hmm. and various things like that. And the response to those. And I saw that, what was it? AOL said you were the future of TV. Someone, 
Someone, yeah, Barry Schuler, yeah. who had been, in, yes. It turns out I'm not. Well. <laughs> turns yeah. out they were wrong. <laughs> but at the time, it felt very good. You have a chance still. <laughs> yeah. You can still change things up. So then I started doing web stuff. Mm-hmm. And the response to that was so much greater than the response to, like, when I would take my, my TV news clip and put it on. Because it was so immediate and accessible. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised, that, like, oh, you don't have to be super professional. You can just, you know, just people just, people if you just talk to like the camera. Better, yeah, because yeah, it's raw and it's real. So I started doing that. Then I did a, this little web series. Um, and then I started doing Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend as a live streaming Ustream show. Okay. Uh, it was for three hours every Sunday evening. Um, that's what the, the Future of Television oh, comment okay. was about. How long um, ago was that? I started doing that. What year was that? I moved back to California so that was like 2009 2010 um and that was really kind of laid the groundwork for what my podcast Allison Rosen is your new best friend became Mm -hmm. so but because a lot of the segments that I do on Allison Rosen is your new best friend and by the way I'm realizing I just had you on my show and I Mm -hmm. don't think we did any of the segments but I used to do a lot of segments (laughs) I still do them sometimes they're not they're not every show like they used to be but those got their start then um, yeah, so I was doing that and that was really fun. And then I moved to California in 2010 and, um, right around the time I was like, why did I do this? <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, I started working on the Adam Carolla show. Uh-huh. How did you get that job? I, so when I was in New York, um, some listeners or viewers or fans of mine on my Facebook page were like, he's looking for a new news girl. Mm-hmm. You should audition. So I think it's not awesome when like your fans or listeners look, like, when they're looking m- out for you. My um, thank you, listeners. I love you. One uh, it's actually happened twice. Um, one of the the girls that lives in Boise reached out to the local comedy club and was like, I want her to come here. That's awesome. Got in touch with them. And now like I'm emailing them to like book a comedy show. Yeah. There. I'm like, God, you guys are awesome. You guys should take a cut. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. You're my agent. Yeah. Yeah. So they mentioned it and maybe I looked into it and I was like, I looked at the website and, and there was no way to contact them that wasn't snail mail and I sort mm-hmm. of let it go. And then I think they brought it up again because someone that I knew had auditioned mm-hmm. and they're like, this girl that you know, you know, we know you know her. She's in there. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you. Yeah. So I contacted my agent. I just wish that most people believed in themselves as much as other people believe in them. I know. Um, my, I asked my agent at the time, can you contact them? Mm-hmm. You know, can you look into this? He said he did. Nothing happened. Let it. I let it go. And then there was like a third round on my Facebook page. And so then I realized this guy that I, I think this guy that I know might know someone because he's pretty connected. I emailed mm-hmm. him, do you know anyone who might know someone? He's like, I do. So that guy forwarded my reel to, I, th- I didn't know it at the time, but I think he forwarded it to Kathy and Lynette. <coughs> Lynette is Adam's wife and Kathy is mm-hmm. Donnie's wife. Donnie, who used to be involved in the podcast. And so then I still didn't think anything of it until I was in California. Yes, I had, I think I, yes, I I had moved, but I had only been there for a couple weeks and Mm -hmm. I got an email saying, can you come in and audition? So Mm -hmm. then I did that and then I got that job and I did that for four years. And then in the second year, I brought my podcast back as a podcast on their network. Oh, okay. And that's when I started doing that. Yeah, Okay, very cool. Um, Do you... So, like, if you could sum up, like, how, because I feel like a lot of stuff, sort of, like, a lot of stuff for you happened really young, and a lot of stuff did seem to just fold into the next Mm -hmm. thing, but obviously, though, there was, you know, 
you're the main component in all this. So you're the through line of like you had to have just had some sort of like secret magic or tenacity or something. Like, do you have any advice for my listeners uh, for, I mean, if they want to get into any like a writing career like that, or even just like when you get out of college and you're just like, you said like, I didn't know if I do, I move to a city first. Right. Do I do find I do it? It? Like, what yeah. do I do? Like, do you have any advice? Like, what would you tell your kid? <laughs> that I was would, a lot in one thing. Yeah, No, that's okay. I would tell my kid, don't feel like you have to have it all figured out mm-hmm. because it all will work out. If you can try to, and and by the way, no one can. So I feel like this is like shitty parental advice Mm -hmm. um, that I received. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. But like, if you can enjoy it along the way, try to. No, but I think that is really good advice. It's like what I was just saying when I was in Europe, you have to catch yourself. You can't be like, you have to be like, oh no, this was a really cool moment. Or even just thinking back, it was on, it was on the My Favorite Murder podcast. They were talking about it, but it got it from someone else. Uh, Instead of making a to-do list, you make a to-da list. Where it's like you write down, I mean, you write your to-dos, but you also write down like, oh, that was a really cool moment. I'm really proud of myself for that. Like, or that was, you know, I, you know, I got a really great review on my podcast today or something like actually being like, all of this stuff is really cool and really exciting. And I'm really proud of myself instead of just like kind of being like, what's next? I don't know. By the way, I have to say, I kind of dislike it when people are giving, are talking about their career and they make it sound like yeah, I was just floating along and then this person wanted me for this and this person wanted this and da da da. And like, they don't, there's no, they, they don't take any agency over it. Yeah. Um, like I remember this girl that, uh, wrote for a lot of magazines that I also wrote for and we were talking one time and she's like, I don't know. People just keep asking you to write for them. Oh, and I was great. like, I, I, hate, I, hate, I hate you yeah. right now as if she like, doesn't want to. Yeah. And, it, it's, I, it's also it's just not true i it's just hope how that's, things always happen for people. i hope true. that's not how i sounded when telling my story no, i don't because think so at all. the truth is so what is the agents and, and, the, and right. the steps you took that were well so the oc weekly when i got a job there this same girl the one who's like people just keep asking me to write for them i don't know <laughs> she, people just try keep trying to propose to me yeah <laughs> hands me money i know i don't know why everyone likes me i don't <laughs> know why it's so easy for me she I eat whatever i want i never gain weight yeah shut up she told me that you know just so you know she she was kind of a bitch she's like the oc weekly it's like a real newspaper it's not like mean street which is that first one i've written for how about that newspaper la times that i already wrote yeah so she's like they don't just like take anyone and so after she said that i was like i'm determined to write for this magazine Mm -hmm. uh or for this it was an alternative actually it's still around i'm talking like it's not around Mm -hmm. anymore it used to be part of the village voice media which i there's been a lot of changes in terms of the structure of that. But mm-hmm. anyway, it was an alternative news weekly. Um, and I was like, fuck you. They a hundred percent are going to want me and yeah. I'm going to, you know, and I sent my clips periodically. I would make copies of a lot of my clips and I would send them around and I sent them to Rolling Stone and I sent them to people magazine. I ended up writing a little bit for both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was definitely out there pursuing it and yeah. like the Adam, you know, and then my job at time. Out, so when I moved to New York, I didn't have a full-time job and I thought like I'm God's gift to freelancing. Everyone's going to want me. And that was not what happened. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really hard. Uh, and then, and I was very scary. It's not, it's certainly not for everyone. Like I, I have, like I know people where I'd be like you could never it's just not in your nature like you need to be told you need to go to job a job at this time get done at this time like it takes a lot of like meant like 
you know, being your own motivator and like being okay with like, oh, I got a paycheck. I'm not sure when the next one's coming. Right. So I gotta hopefully it's this hard. Yeah. And just feeling like you're, oh, for me, feeling like you're always on the outside of things. Mm-hmm. Like New York just was hard at the beginning and it felt sort of impenetrable. And I just, it like, it's this runaway train and I'm just like trying to keep up, but I don't even know how to get onto the train. Yeah. Um, and with a job job, like you have built in friends and people you meet in that with freelance, it's like you're at home. Right. You know? Right. So when the so what happened was I knew this woman who was leaving Time Out New York to take a job at Entertainment Weekly and mm-hmm. she she had a job in the music department at Time Out New York. So I said, are they going to be hiring someone? And she said, yes. And so I emailed them and then they called me in. But I had this sense when I was interviewing that like this I can do this job. I was just I was just 100 percent sure that I would be good at this. Mm-hmm. And which was different than some of the jobs I had interviewed for where I'm like, I hope that they believe I can do this, but it's, I don't know if, you know, it's just different. And I ended up getting that job. And then the same when I interviewed or auditioned for the Adam Carolla show, I Mm -hmm. just had this sense of like, I know I can do this. So I pursued those jobs. So I just, I just don't mean to make it sound like people. I don't think you sounded like that at all. Yeah, no. Did you ever have times, um, I'm thinking just like how expensive New York is and stuff where you were just like, I don't really like, like my bank account's in the negative or like I'm so broke right now because you're doing more freelance near the end. So I went freelance the last couple of years I was there. I was, I was freelance. And at the beginning it was going really well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I've got all this money coming in. I've got all these jobs. And then by the end it had really dried up and I really was nervous and it didn't make me more creative. It Mm -hmm. made me kind of desperate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just felt like I'm not, I'm not, this isn't going to work financially. Yeah. Like I can barely pay my rent. I'm not having a good time. That's how, that's how I am. Like I could never be one of those comics that's like, I'll just crash on friends' couches and like, you know, I'm just going to work on my stand up at night and write during the day right. and smoke some pot and like, just figure it out. I'm like, no, that's why I held on to a side job when I didn't need one sense. for like, oh, there were like the last year there, I didn't need one right. or more or more. And, but I just like held on to it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be broke. Like yeah. it's too, it's too hard. I like, I find it hard to be, to feel creative and inspired when I'm really nervous about money. Exactly. Cause, Cause you're just like too desperate. Yeah. yeah. It's such, it, it fills me with so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people can handle it though. Right. Or they, or they just don't get like nervous about it. But I also like, I've never had like a weird relationship with money in a sense of like, I've always just figured like, yeah, I'll make money. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never, like, you know, people that, like, have all the tools to make money, but they're so afraid of it, sort of, yeah. where they're just, like, there's, like, a scarcity thing where they're, like, and so they're just either really bad with it or they can't keep, yeah, they can't keep yeah. it or they can't seem to figure it out. or Right. I think, it's a, I think it's a mental thing a little bit. You have to have just, like, a very casual mindset towards right. it. Right. I'm definitely more anxious about money than my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I was scarred is too strong but I was affected by what happened at the end of my time in New York Mm -hmm. where I was nervous all the time like Mm -hmm. that always stayed with me so even when I started making money and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh I'm not I'm not struggling like I was I was always afraid that I could be back in that position Mm -hmm. um I mean even even still I I feel you know pretty okay Mm -hmm. um I've been not 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 super struggling for you know like my mm-hmm. podcast you know i uh, things are going well yeah you have a beautiful home i'm pretty sure you're doing okay <laughs> thank you um but it's a modest home 
It's not. It's not palatial. It's not a mansion. But it's it's L. A. So like this is a very nice home for because <laughs> it's expensive here. I mean, it's, it's all redone crazy. inside. It's yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, it, yeah, yeah. The 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 housing situation in L. A. is crazy. insane. Yeah. Like people that buy houses in other parts of the country when they're in their twenties, I can't even. Or like my sister that. lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. She lives in a mansion. She has a pool. It was probably maximum three hundred thousand dollars wow. i mean when i i if i could find a photo i'll show it to you after we're done it's a mansion yeah I mean, it's absolutely beautiful like it's crazy like right. it would be several million dollars here yeah it's crazy um what the hell was i oh i was saying something about m- the difference between my husband and me oh yeah he has this attitude of like money comes money goes mm-hmm. and i don't i wish i had that that mm-hmm. you know assuredness about it but um he he got laid off a few years ago and because the company went was going bankrupt yeah um they like did a bunch of layoffs and then went out of business and he was really calm about it Mm -hmm. and we had this trip to did that kind of freak you out yes (laughs) we had a trip to paris planned and we didn't know whether we should still go but his lack of hand wringing and anxiety and all of that was making me I didn't want to like give him my anxiety yeah but I also was like dude why are you not like doing what I would Mm -hmm. be doing which is freaking out and emailing everyone has that ever oh well the emailing the being proactive part but has the like the internally freaking out ever no no and he ended up getting hired by the company that he had worked for before Uh and that's where he is now and everything worked out and it was a real lesson in like yeah he could have ripped his hair out yeah but he didn't need to and he and it was fine yeah I, I just that's a good lesson, though, yeah. where you're like, because I admire that quality where you're just like, I mean, I don't think I'm that chill about it. But right. like, you know, you kind of just have to be with yeah. it with anything. Right. You know, it's like, what are you going to do sometimes? Right. Um, so I was on your website kind of changing gears here. And this made me laugh so hard because I feel like and for my listeners, I'm sure if you're single, you can 100 percent relate to this. So on like your little facts about you, you said. I still think it's weird I'm married because for the longest time I was single and it very much consumed and was very much consumed with finding a healthy relationship while also suspecting focusing too hard on it would push it away. And just in general, thinking too much about it while trying not to think about it at all, <laughs> which is like, I yeah. forgot I wrote that, but that does sound it's like me. So yeah. accurate, though, where you're just <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, maybe if I just like don't think about it, like I'll meet someone right. or like or. Or you hear people like, no, if you really want to meet someone, you need to treat it like a job. But then you're like, no, nah, that seems too intense. And right. Maybe just want like it's like so it's such a mind fuck. So how did you meet your husband? Because I'm like in, in a joking way, like I'm very comfortable with being single. I don't care. But I do kind of like to play on the fact that like no one loves me, <laughs> which isn't true. I do how fine. long have you been single? Um, Only recently, like, well, I dated some moron for like a couple months that cheated <laughs> on me. Um, But that was like not a big deal. And I wasn't even that into him. Um. I was in a long-term relationship like two and a half years ago. Was it like the last mm-hmm. long, long one? Um, but I am curious of like how people do, especially in LA, like how p- do people meet people, especially in like the dating app world and like, and in a world of like, I don't think that guys and girls even know how to act towards each other anymore because especially with all the stuff going on with like me too, I feel like guys are so freaked out right. by everything. And so they're like, they don't know how to play it. And then, yeah. So anyways, how did you meet so your I husband? Have, so it's an unusual story that is probably not, uh, can't be, a can't be put into practice for other people. It was mm-hmm. really, it was, it was really weird or it was very lucky or anyway, I'll tell you. So okay. I was on the Adam Carolla show and I, because I had been on Red Eye, which had like a, a sort of a 
don't want to say cult following, but I had a really devoted following. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing Alice in Wonderland's New Best Friend. Like, I got emails from people. Mm -hmm. um, From guys? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I, so that wasn't that, and then on the Adam Carolla show, that had such a such a huge fan base and a really devoted um, listenership as well. So I would get emails and tweets and stuff like that. And I got this email from this guy, like I said, which wasn't out of it wasn't unusual for me to mm-hmm. get an email from a listener. But he said that he had read something that I had written, mm-hmm. and it really moved him. Um, and it was something that I had written that was was really personal. Um, and and so I wrote ba- because it was. Um, it was complimenting my writing, I guess. I don't know. I wrote back and I just said like, oh, thank you so much. And then he wrote back. Um, and then we had this like brief email exchange, mm-hmm. but there was something about it that made it stand out to me. Yeah. And I looked him up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I bring that up because it's like right from the get go, there was just something different about him. Yeah. I looked him up on Facebook and then he asked if we could be Facebook friends and I said yes but I didn't tell him that I had already like su- I already yeah. was like what does this guy look like oh, no, you, I, you pretend like you know nothing yeah. and you haven't stalked his entire right. Facebook back to his mom and yeah right but I was already curious about yeah. him um, and then he asked if we could get dinner sometime and I didn't respond because yeah. I was on my way out the door and when I got home, he had sent another email, like taking it back. But and I wish I could. Re- it's probably in my emails. I wish I could remember how he took it back. He's like, "You have to excuse me. You know, I think I got ahead of myself." Blah 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 blah. Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Which I, I actually di- that was kind of maybe I was a tiny bit dis- disappointed that he yeah. took it back. But at the same time, I knew that I don't know if I would feel comfortable getting dinner with someone who I have no idea who this is. Yeah. Really. I mean, what do you think a dating app is, though? That's true. You know what I mean? So then he's like, you know, I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. Um, my, f- he, uh, he's published a graph. He had published a graphic novel, and so mm-hmm. he was a. Um, they were starting up a publishing company. Would you be interested in maybe writing something for us? So then we interacted a lot in like a um, talking about work kind uh-huh. of way. Had you met him in person yet? No. And then he suggested we get together to talk about this stuff. And I knew, like, this is the guy who wanted to go out to dinner with me. Like, yeah, I suspect yeah. he likes me. Got um, coming on every angle. He created a company to meet you. He's like, <laughs> all, all of a sudden, he's like, how do I? Oh, I'm a, I own a publishing company now. <laughs> that was real. It was yeah, real, yeah. though. Um, but then we met. And, and I think that he thinks that I didn't realize that there was, he, you know, he kind of oh, really? liked me. That's I funny. suspect. Um. So then we met and um, and we met at the Standard in L.A., which mm-hmm. is really funny because that's like the last time we ever went to a hip L.A. place because that's not really either yeah. of our scenes. Um, but the I first don't time really know met. anyone that goes there. <laughs> or saying that. Well, when my sister lived here, though, a long time ago, it was very popular. Yeah. Um, so we just talked a lot that night. And then when I got in my car to, and I was still living in Orange County at this mm-hmm. point, when I got in my car to drive home, I remember thinking. I I immediately wanted to text him. Like, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to keep the the conversation going. So then we became friends. I was looking for a place in L.A. at the time. And we would get together, and he would drive me around and show me different neighborhoods. And we hung out maybe, like, four or five times as just friends. Mm -hmm. And then he took me out on – I thought I was working on my birthday. By the way, this is the longest fucking story in the world. I'm so sorry. I Um, I thought I was working on my birthday that Mm -hmm. year. And I was kind of relieved to be working on my birthday because – then I didn't have to do the whole, like, what am I going to, you know, am I going to, 
what am I? I don't love birthdays. What, yeah. what am I going to do? Turned out I wasn't working. And he said, can I take you out to dinner? And my sister <laughs> was like, don't do it. Don't go out with him. Don't let him know that he's that guy for you. Okay. And I was like, but I don't even know if he's that guy. Yeah. You know, like, don't let him know that there's not someone out or whatever. She was just being really cautious, yeah. I think. But I didn't even know how I felt about him, really. So I did go out with him. Um, had a fun time. And then afterwards he told me that he had feelings for me. And I told him that I am not in the right kind of place to be in, like dating anyone to be in any kind of relationship. Like I just moved back from New York. I'm living at my parents' house. My life is so turbulent right now. I just think it would be, I wouldn't be good for anyone, but I want you to know that like, I don't really believe in the friend zone. I think Way if people are turn them down, <laughs> and he wants it more. If people are meant Good to be tactic, if people are meant to be together, they'll end up together. Mm-hmm. That's what and I do believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I haven't put you in any category in my mind. I just da, da, da. and then that night, as we were saying goodbye, and our hugs had started getting longer and longer. As we were mm-hmm. saying goodbye, like all of a sudden we were kissing, and he says that I turned. I don't know. And then we've been together ever since. Okay, that's oh, so you, so you despite said it and everything, then like yeah, and then later that night it was like, I didn't, I didn't go in for the kiss though. Mm-hmm. I really just went to hug him, and I think yeah. I turned not to kiss him, mm-hmm. just like to sort of make room for his face next to my face. Yeah, but somehow our lips met. Yeah, and then we kissed, and then but we really have been together ever since. Yeah, so. That's, That's a very cute story. Thank you. So your story is very much that you were not looking at I all. was not. So would you say that's the best way to do it? Yes, but I don't think you can fake that. Like, I truly yeah. had gotten to a point where I was happy on my own. Yeah. And I wasn't wanting to be in a relationship, and I wasn't looking. And, of course, I was open to it. Yeah. But I didn't – because I spent a lot of my life feeling like – I'm incomplete on my own mm-hmm. and I need to either be dating a guy or be pursuing a guy, which I don't even know if that works, mm-hmm. but I ne- like there needs to be a focus, a male focus of my attention mm-hmm. um, or else I'm sort of, I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. And that did not work out for me being that yeah. person. I've also found that it's very distracting too. Like there was a point in time, like a couple months ago, where I went on a couple, like, two dates in one week, and they, like, were just very average dates, and I was just, like, I feel like I just wasted my time, and, like, I could have been, like, I could have been working and not, like, having a couple cocktails on a date. Like, it's just, I feel like I wasted, you know? Right. Like, Like, I just sort of, I'm, like, maybe I just wait until, like, something comes as opposed to, like, getting on an app and, like, doing the whole thing. I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be that person. Um, Yeah, I really, you know, it started in New York, this thing of like oh my god there's no guy affecting my mood right now and I love that it's a great feeling because I had been the person before where it's like oh then he said this what did he mean by Mm -hmm. that well now I'm gonna feel nervous all day it's it's just such a good I was talking about that when I was on the European trip I was like it's such a good feeling just to be on this trip and enjoying myself and I have no one to worry about. You're not checking to make sure he's texting, wondering what he's doing. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah, it's a really good feeling. Yeah. So I really, for the first time in my life, was confident and like okay on my own Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, going to the gym and I was focusing on work and all that stuff and I really felt in control of my emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so that, and then I moved and like that is, so it really did for happen for me when I wasn't looking. Yeah. But also everything with Daniel, that's my husband, from the beginning felt different than the other relationships. Like mm-hmm. there really was, it really was, I just felt drawn to him mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was a just friends or a relationship. But it sounds like it was easy. It wasn't a lot of like, so oh no, easy. did he text first or did I? It's like, there I think w- once you're getting like that, it's probably not a good sign. Right. You know, well, unless that- you're just naturally a super anxious person, but like. I think if it doesn't happen kind of easily, yeah. it's probably. I think I think that's true too. Yeah, but then I wonder like I'm well a relationship expert now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it was easy with him. There wasn't any game playing, mm-hmm. um, and I did know from the beginning that he likes me, but I didn't feel responsible for his emotions. Yeah, um, it just was. It just everything kind of. It was just so easy. Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you met him? I was thirty-five. It's a good age, too, where you're just, like, mature and, like, not, like, at that point, like, most of your anxieties are gone of, like, or, like, insecurities. I think that's what I meant to do, where it's just, like, I am who I am at this point. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I've accomplished enough. And, like, I know, you know, I'm not still sort of struggling to figure out who I am. It's a good time. Right. Um, So what's next for you? Mm. Uh, Which is kind of an annoying question. I just realized it's an annoying question, but, like. In case you had something you wanted to pitch, but like <laughs> then you think like, God, do I have to come up with something cool? <laughs> yeah. When so you know, I worked for years as a journalist, and and I would be interviewing so and so about this project, and I'd be like, you know, and what other projects do you have? And it's like pretty much just this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like uh, thanks for pointing it out. Just like sort of have to make something <laughs> up. They're like, well, I'm thinking about writing a book, and yeah. Um, yeah. um so I have another podcast mm-hmm. that uh, just launched fairly recently. It's a parenting podcast. It's called Childish, and my co-host is. Do you know Greg Fitzsimmons? I know. I know his name. I don't know him well. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's my co-host, and it's a parenting podcast, but. A lot of people who don't have kids listen, Mm -hmm. and we're very mindful of, like, there's people who don't. It's not exclusively kid talk. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes there's, I feel like maybe there should be more kid talk. Um, So we are hopefully doing our first live show sort of soon. We don't exactly know when. Um, but that's been a really, it's the, it had been in the works for a couple years. Mm -hmm. I, when I was pregnant with Elliot, who's my kid, who's now two, um, we had started talking about it and it just took forever to get off the ground, Yeah. but now it's going and it's really fun. So that, and then also just always Alison Rosen is your new best friend. Um, and, but like personally just figuring out how to take care of two kids and how to get into a rhythm and a routine with it because Mm -hmm. it's still feels I still feel like I'm figuring it out well they're they're both really young yeah like I imagine it takes like a while and I actually feel like there's people that like still you know like my parents and I had like a weird thing like last summer and I feel like even for them they're like oh wow we don't as adu- as like real adult parents maybe don't even know what we're doing you know I think it's just something you know yeah you figure out I think along so. the way okay cool oh what about your socials oh I'm at Allison Rosen just one L and Allison A-L-I-S-O-N um, on Twitter and Instagram all right. Thank you guys for listening. I love you. You guys know where to find me at Rachel N. O'Brien. That's R A C H A E L N O B R I E N. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Thanks.